You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm here with Evan Tex Western. Say what's with the people, Tex. What's up, people? Jordan Love, not awesome, not horrible. Packers, special teams, horrible. Yeah. Loss, <laughs> bummer. That's 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 the re, that's the repack. See ya. All right. We're done here. <laughs> nah. Uh Kansas City Chiefs win 13 to 7 in a game that was supposed to be exciting. Uh we may never legitimately never see a Mahomes Rodgers matchup ever with the way that NFL scheduling works. Well, I guess we'll see in the upcoming years with how the kind of the rotation is, but just a weird week in general. Um, Aaron Rodgers didn't uh, play in this game uh, because he tested positive for COVID. Uh, he was going to be out um, until at least Saturday of next week uh, because he is unvaccinated. Um, Jordan Love finishes the game with a 69.5 passer rating. Patrick Mahomes, 70. Uh, 4.8. Um, Love actually had more yards per pass attempt than Mahomes, which I don't think anyone would have expected coming into this or at least coming into the season. Weird game, just a very weird game. Um, Kansas City opened up and got points on that opening drive, and then their offense turned into the uh, Patrick Mahomes hero ball stuff, which is kind of what was assumed. Uh, that's kind of what they did, you know, Monday night football the week before against the New York Giants. Um, kind of everything you would want schematically or like game flow wise uh, for the defense, the defense came up big uh, after that first drive, they allowed two scoring drives, uh, one of 25 yards for a field goal, one of four yards for a field goal, zero points in the second half defense stepped up real well, offense struggled um, Tex, just generally, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think, you know, if, if we're, if we're assigning blame for the result of this game, for this loss, um, you have to look first at the special teams and the offensive line as the, the main culprits, I think. Um, yeah. Love was not great under pressure, but most quarterbacks are not great under pressure anyway. Um, and it just seemed like, especially the interior of the offensive line really, really struggled to handle all the blitzes that, that Kansas city was throwing at them, especially through the middle part of the game. And, you know, up until the, you know, the fourth quarter when they seemed to kind of actually get into a little bit of a rhythm with the passing game um, and just all these special teams mistakes. I know we'll get into that, but Jesus, um, Mo Drayton, man, l- love to listen to the guy talk. Um, would love to grab a beer with him sometime, but we consistently see more issues um, just popping up and, and different issues. It even seems like week to week, right? You know, we've had the issues with the, the protection on the field goal unit and that flared up again today, but we hadn't had snap and hold issues until now. We hadn't seen Amari Rogers completely, you know, lose his mind on a couple of punt returns um, until this point. So it's, it's consistently, you know, lots of different issues on that side of the, with that phase of the football. And it's really getting frustrating because now I think, you know, we finally have a game where you can legitimately make the argument that special teams cost them a win. 
Oh, a hundred percent. Just in terms of just points alone. Right. So they yep. get a field goal off of a muff punt. They miss two field goals. So that's what nine and, points. And, yep. Yep. That's nine that's, points right there. That's, that's a, a 10 to seven game. <laughs> yep. Uh, Green Bay actually had, let me pull it up. Green Bay had uh, 301 yards offensively. Uh, Kansas City had 237. Green Bay had 19 first downs. Kansas City had 14. So by all metrics, really, this as, as bad as that performance was um, passing-wise, you know, relative to what we're used to as a fan base that has had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back for basically the last 30 years, um, they outplayed Kansas City on the offensive side yeah. of the ball, uh, outside of turnovers, I guess. Turnovers is a big thing. And, you know, that last turnover, too, I mean, he's trying to make a play. So, like, I don't even – yeah. I don't even like that. No. That's a different situation than if it was an interception in the first quarter or something like that. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and it wasn't, I mean, it was a tremendous play by Sneed to, to pick that off too. Right. Um, Adam's got a hand on that football and, and Sneed just kind of pulled that old Jordy catch from several years ago in Dallas, where he just kind of went up and stole it out of Adam's hands. So um, yeah, at that point you, you just desperately need a play um, and, and, yeah, I guess there, there's there's no blame to to really assign to love too much on that one. Certainly not in the decision to throw it to Adams, and um, you know th- that was still in when they were scoreless, right? I mean that was still in a thirteen nothing game before they would come back and and get the touchdown late. Right. So um, you you've got to get something going um, and and find a way to to get some points on the board because you knew with with Kansas City with how great their offense has been at converting first downs up until this game that you weren't going to get that many more chances in all likelihood at, at, uh, at getting some more points. So you needed every possession to count in that fourth quarter. Right. Um, Just speaking on kind of the, the uh, press conference afterwards, right? So LaFleur went up there. um, He said he took a, a ton of, I mean, he basically said the loss was on him. I'm not sure if, that's necessarily the case, but he said, you know, there was a lot going on play calling wise that he now looking back is not comfortable with. Um, wouldn't really touch a lot of the special teams things, which that's interesting because they, they've commented on special teams issues before. So like this might be like a who knows if Drayton's going to be the special teams coach next uh, uh, tomorrow, even, yeah. you know, like that's kind of the answer you would expect if they're going to can him. They're like, Hey, I mean, we still got to travel together. So like, right. <laughs> we can't necessarily can him right now. Um, it's not like, you know, pulling McCarthy off to the side after he loses at home to Arizona and, and Josh Rosen, you're like, nah, just pack your bags, but you can't really do right. that when you're on an away trip. Um, special teams wise. Right. So you got two bad uh, kick operations up front. Right. I, I think everyone could see, you know, when they were zooming in on the replays, like, Laces aren't out <laughs> and that impacts kicks. Um, one of them was blocked. So, you know, you could talk about the uh, block protection, I guess, you know, being, being a little bit of an issue. I thought it was interesting. They were going after the left side of the line, not the right side mm-hmm. of the line this time. Yeah. Um, that was worth noting. There was that weird muffed punt. Just God damn it. Amari, like it, it, catch, catch the ball. That, that was, that was plenty high enough for him to get under that ball and just make a fair catch. There's no reason as far as I'm concerned for him to be letting that ball hit the turf. And if you are going to let that hit the turf, make damn sure that Malik Taylor knows to get his ass out of the way. Yeah. And then he did field one after that. And 
he fair caught it when he probably could have gotten a couple yards. And I know, I know he got like a 15 yard return. Uh, actually, he, he must have returned two other or touched two other ones because he did get like that 15 yard return when they outkicked yep. their coverage. And uh, honestly, Shamar John Charles kind of lucked out. He might he might have mm-hmm. gotten, you know, depending on the referee, might have called a uh, holding or block in the back, whatever you want to call it there. Um, I was I was holding my breath positions. waiting for the flag. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Awkward positions. Um, there was well, also. Then, he had the, the, okay. then Rogers had the second muff too that he ended up somehow recovering uh, miraculously. That looked like it was it was right in one of the Chiefs guys' hands. So the fact that they trotted him back out there for two or three more punt returns after that point blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe that you you would throw him back out there after those two giant brain cramps. And the thing about Amari, which makes it even more frustrating, if you look at how the snaps break out, and maybe the, actually this might have actually changed with the amount of snaps he played this game, I would have to look. Um, Jawan Winfrey, who has not been active for every game this season, has played more offensive snaps than Amari Rogers this year. Like Amari <laughs> Rogers is game day active so that he can be a punt returner because he's not really contributing on the offensive side. It's the same thing yep. with um, Malik Taylor. Um, Jawan Winfrey is playing more offense than Malik Taylor, who's, you know, an every week player because he is a special teams ace for Green Bay. Um, just very odd, right? It, it becomes the point where, you know, you're starting to wonder, like, is someone going to drop a dumbbell on his foot and he's going to get put on IR so that they don't have to cut him after a rookie season. But it's getting really tough to kind of even get him on the field, frankly. Like, he can block it's, offensively as a wide receiver. Okay, they have a bunch of other dudes who can do that. Like, St. Yeah. Brown can do that too. So how, yeah. wh- what kind of value does that bring? You can run the jet motion stuff with Randall Cobb. They did that a ton tonight. Um, they did. I didn't see eight on the field once on offense running that jet motion stuff they were doing it all with Cobb all night long why yeah why he is a game day active just make him a healthy scratch the rest of the way and you know fine send Malik Taylor back there on punt on punt returns send Randall Cobb back there on punt returns he's not your number one or number two or even number three guy right now on offense anyway so at least you know put somebody back there who you know has experience and you know has sure hands and and really you know knows what he's doing back there I don't know why they would be hesitant to let Cobb return punts. I mean, by all yeah. accounts, like when, even when Rogers is talking about him and he's saying, you know, I, I hope we can find more ways to get hit the ball in his hand. Well, that's one way. Like if he's your wide receiver four, which is, you know, he is in terms of the rotation right now. Yep. Why, why wouldn't he be a guy who would be able to contribute on special teams? I mean, we just, the, the Packers just cut uh, Jalen Smith because he can't contribute on special teams. Right. I mean, that's point yep. blank what that was about. Like if, if they had to play a fourth inside linebacker, he probably would have made the team, but he's not. So they have two other guys in McDuffie and Summers who play special teams and that's their role. It's the same thing with Winfrey, right? Winfrey, right. if they, if they needed someone to play receiver, Winfrey would be the first call up and the first guy to get in snaps instead of uh, Malik Taylor. The, the reason Malik Taylor is there is because he plays special. So uh, some of the ways that this team is kind of being constructed, um, I would say it's probably a little questionable, but back on the special teams, the end of the half wasn't any better. I mean, people look yeah. at those big flash plays. There was a moment where um, AJ Dillon had just run the ball, I think on third down or caught the ball. I can't remember what it was. He touched the ball. And then uh, he wasn't, he wasn't ready to come back out on specials to uh, be in punt protection. They only had 10 on the field. You could see like three different players hold up 10 fingers to the sideline saying, Hey, we don't have all the guys that we need here. 
And then right before, I think it, I think the half might have ended on the uh, kickoff return. Yeah. Um, they got, I think it was a legal formation at the end of the half. Yep. And it was like, dude, how, how much more can, can go bad. And it, to your point, like Drayton in his interviews, like in his press conferences and stuff, like he seems like a clear communicator. He seems like a great guy to hang around. Like to your point, you like, I would love to grab a beer with him, but yep. it's not working on the field. And at the end of the day, like that's, that's your, your job isn't to be happy in front of the media, right? I mean, Aaron yeah. Rodgers is getting in trouble for all sorts of stuff that's, you know, vaguely media related right now. Drayton's job isn't to be, uh, you know, look nice in front of the media. It's to get guys ready to play football games. Yeah, and, and so much of special teams is just that. It's it's basic communication stuff. It's knowing, you know, whose responsibility it is to be on what units and when they need to get their asses out there and making sure that, you know, they line up in the right positions. That's basic stuff. That's basic communication. And you know, Drayton has talked all about communication and accountability and all these things in his pressers all year long. Well, at some point when you keep having these issues, and, and to, to your point, these are... Those penalties weren't effort penalties. They're not, you know, holding, they're not blocking the back penalties. You know, I feel like you can live with those a little more because at least guys are, you know, trying to, to make a play and trying to, um, you know, set up something for, for their return guy. But when it's procedural stuff, when it's just boneheaded mistakes like that, you know, that's got to come back, I think, to coaching. I think it is where that, that really, you know, just, just circles back to, and that starts with Drayton. And it would be more understandable if like, so like the Dylan thing, right? Like sometimes weird stuff does happen on special teams when like injuries happen, but it's not like a running back went down before, before yeah. Dylan, you know, came in. Right. So yeah. it, it would be different if there was like an injury, but it's just like all these things stacking on top of each other and not even just necessarily in this game, but for the whole season, um, the, the switching the operation. I mean, I don't know. Let's just do special teams vibes up front. Like, they oh switched God. the they switched the operation. The operation went to crap the first two times that they attempted it. They're lucky they made the, the extra point. Um, just what the hell? Like you make the switch at long snapper for a long snapper that was in Rams camp with Bohorquez and him. With Bohorquez, and, yes. Him, him and Bohorquez just are not on the same page, and they can't get Mason Crosby the laces. Like what the hell is going gonna, on? I was gonna say the exact same thing. These two guys were in camp together all summer, and then you know both came over from LA, and and now all of a sudden they they can't figure out their operation. It's 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 mind blowing. And it's not like he hasn't been in camp either. Like the the long snapper that they have right now had been protected the first two months of of the regular season. As yep. you know, the the Packers, the way the practice squad works right now, right? They expanded from. 10 to 16 on Tuesdays, they release every team releases four protected players that cannot be stolen from the practice squad. The long snapper was one of those for uh, the first eight weeks of the season. So it's not like this guy hadn't been getting any snaps at all. Plus the special teamers just basically go and hang out by themselves. So I'm sure like at some point, you know, they were working one-on-one him and Bohorquez were working one-on-one while uh, Mason Crosby was working with, uh, with uh, what's the name? Hunter Bradley. You know, it, it's yep. not like they, they need, it's not like one snapper is just hanging out watching the other long snapper go. It's they're they're probably divorcing each other into two different spots. Plus the fact that Molson was out there um, probably gives like an extra holder. So, you know, th- right. there's time to do all that operation stuff and, you know, mix and match and all that, like during practice time. So it's not like it's the first time they had ever met or anything like this. The, the expectation coming into this game was this long snapper move was going to fix 
the operation problems that Green Bay had. And all it did was cause more problems. Exactly. Just a bummer. Um, The other thing that uh, will probably like special teams wise, we've already gone over a lot of it. Um, Amari, what the fuck is uh, the only other point that I had written (laughs) down. But uh, so Townsend sent five punts inside the 20. I mean, that's another thing that was brutal is that how many times did we have to look up and we're like, damn, Jordan Love has to go 90 yards. Like that is pretty unreasonable to ask of him with the way that the offense is operating at this point. So yeah, that's probably I mean, something too- that it, you probably don't notice unless you like look at the box score or watch the game, but was a big factor in the game, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, two, two down inside the 10, um, one down to the two yard line, like with a yeah young quarterback against a defense that's bringing the house. That's, that's how you put, your, your young quarterback in bad positions and, and make bad things happen. The other thing too, um, I can't, I can't remember how many punts green Bay had the first punt of the game on the first drive. Mm. They triple teamed the vice in the boundary. I don't know if, if you saw that, I don't know how much I noticed that they, they had three dudes on, on the, on the, uh, on the gunner in the boundary. And I was like, okay, what the hell? And then by the second half, you know, after their operation issues had shown up, they were just not covering the gunners. Like just, they, they would line up um, everyone looking like they were coming on an all out blitz and they would slowly creep guys off of the line of scrimmage back to the gunners, but it's not like they were pressing them or anything. So you could see like live how Kansas city's special teams was adjusting to the confidence that they had in green Bay, even being able to get the snap off really. And I, that's another thing that's just, that's frustrating. This is supposed to be NFL football. You're using one of your 46 spots, right, uh, for a game day roster on a long snapper who's supposed to be very good at that one specific job, and it doesn't seem like he was ready for the game. Yeah, it's uh, Bradley's snaps, well, not perfect by any means, um, at least in-game action looked a hell of a lot better than that. And, you know, the the second one, the the field goal that got blocked, uh, it, it looked like Borges didn't even – bothered it attempt to rotate the football on the laces i know it was a, a quick he had a he, he had a again it was a weird snap and he kind of even bobbled it a little bit but there was no attempt to get those laces out of the way crosby's foot hit square on the laces and i still yeah, maybe it would have been blocked maybe not but um that's yeah it's it's just a failure all around and it's inexplicable and it's inexcusable yeah that's that's the big thing right it's not so much like putting blame on individuals right it's more of like okay so these things happen what are they supposed to do just not be able to go for field goals at all during a title run like that that's not viable so like get get this fixed no no one cares about what went wrong they want it fixed that's it period that's that's it um is there anything generally that you want to talk about before we get into uh the vibe checks i guess we didn't even give a grade for the special teams minus 50 what yeah what's what's lower than zero here i mean Uh, i feel like we i feel like we deserve this after our vibes were nine plus last week for the special teams in that arizona game but that's the other that's the other thing too (laughs) they had their best special teams game against arizona they had a longer week and they were like ah let's switch it up yep i don't i don't get it (sighs) all right we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back with the uh, offensive and defensive vibes 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. And we're back. Um, let's start with offense. So, who boy. Um, one, it doesn't sound like love is going to be starting. Uh, next week the way LaFleur made it sound was like yeah hey Rogers hey that that guy doesn't need a whole week of practice to be able to be, be ready for a game the way he put it was we'll see where we're at at the end of the week but it, the way that he made it sound it sounds like Aaron Rodgers didn't start so that that's something yeah. worth uh, referencing up front so how much this translates to uh, Green Bay this year moving forward I I don't really know I mean we talked about the Arizona game doesn't mean much, right? The Arizona game doesn't mean much. Maybe this game doesn't mean much. Saints game doesn't mean much, but that's three different situations already where, you know, the depth of the team has kind of been tested or the structure of the team has been tested. Um, Kansas City's really the way Kansas City played Green Bay. They played a lot of cover zero. Um, they didn't do it the whole time, but they sent a ton of pressure, which is why the yep. interior looked the way that it did, which is why Jordan Love was throwing off the back foot the way that he was. Um, it seemed like Green Bay's answer, and this kind of goes into uh, how LaFleur was talking about his, what he would change play calling wise, right? Is that their answer was, and it has been their answer under Aaron Rodgers, which makes sense, um, is basically like, if you're going to press us and you're going to send a bunch of pressure, we're going to throw shot plays to get you out of that. And we're going to have big explosives. And that big explosive is the reason why you weren't going to do this to us. Here's the problem. Jordan Love couldn't really connect on those plays. So exactly. they, they took probably a little too long to get into their quick game stuff, which is another way to beat man coverage. And their RPO stuff, which is what they basically did on that scoring drive where they, you know, waltzed down the field and were able to actually get the ball in the end zone. Um, that seems to be like what, LaFleur is like if if anyone heard any of the quotes LaFleur said like that is kind of the change I think that he was talking about where he was like if this happened again like we probably run more quick game more RPO get that ball out of Jordan's hand quick because him throwing off of his back foot when two guys are going through an a gap and the center can only block one of them it wasn't a winning answer for him in the same way that like Rodgers can put it in that shoebox down the field to Lazard or MVS or Devontae because they have perfect chemistry love isn't there yet so that that was exactly the point I was going to make is you can get away with some of that with with that shot play mentality if you've got somebody with the accuracy that Aaron Rodgers has especially off platform like that thrown off his back foot um and and again that chemistry with with Adams especially I mean how many of those places he made in the last two three years that that uh that are exactly what you're describing but um yeah it wasn't there I mean the only the only deep one that I think that that love hit was that that duck that he sent up to Cobb that Cobb had to make a, a really tough catch coming back for. 
Um, and, and yeah, it was obvious Kansas city wasn't going to be respecting that and, and just was trying to, um, man up guys on the outside and, and bring a ton of creative pressures and it confused the hell out of the offensive line on the interior. Um, I think the next time Royce Newman successfully blocks a stunt will be the first because man, he has been, uh, he's been rough on the inside. Um, and you know, we saw Runyon like randomly leave the game with, with an illness for a little bit, like late, late in the first half. And Jake Hansen came on for a few, a few snaps. Um, just, just weird stuff. So Bakhtiari can't get back soon enough. I mean, he's basically got to be activated this week or else he's shut down for the season. I don't think there's any, any chance of the latter happening. He'll be back. I think he'll be in there at left tackle. And then you got to put Elton Jenkins somewhere on the interior and get Royce Newman off the field. I don't know if you put Jenkins at center and move Patrick out to right guard, just plug Jenkins in at right guard, whatever it takes, but you've got to bolster the interior of the line. Yeah. How do we, okay. Newman, he left the game mid game for an illness. I, I thought there, there was a chance um, something weird, like COVID related happened, right? Like right. remember Runyon, when like, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah Runyon yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't mean to make a Newman sick. Um, <laughs> Cause there was that like weird game. Remember where like uh, last year Des Bryant was like on the sideline of like a Ravens game or something like that. And they were like, yeah, yeah. he just tested COVID positive. And he's like hanging out and hugging everyone. And they had to like pull him like just weird stuff. Right. So like, I thought like, okay, maybe like something odd is happening. And then he just returned to the game and that's so a mid game illness plus returning. Weird. This dude had to take a dump. Right. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be it. Um, I, not to get too into the weeds, but I had a stomach bug last week. Well, you know, while everything was going on and we had a midweek game and that was all I was thinking is like, yeah, he probably just had to run to the locker room and, you know, maybe, maybe he's got the same bug that I had. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's, that's gotta be it. There's, there's no other viable explanation. Um, Another thing I thought was interesting about the offense, they used 10 personnel today, which is one running back, zero tight end. They really hadn't done that. Um, they did that the first third down snap that they got of the entire game um, on that first drive. That is the answer. That That is them telling you they don't have a tight end that they're comfortable yep. with on like third and long. Um, you know, the, there weren't really that many options. I mean, they could have traded for like Evan Ingram, but it sounded like the Giants didn't really want to trade him. So you'd be trading like a fourth, fifth round pick for one year out of Evan Ingram. Like, is that worth it? Probably not for the Packers. Who yeah. probably, they don't have the money to resign him. So um, there really wasn't a move for them to make at tight end. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't need a tight end. Uh, that is probably going to be an issue moving down the line. Like, it'll be interesting to see how they combat teams when teams come out and like dime, right? Then do you like yep. motion Lazard back into the formation and basically use him as a tight end? Like, that what was going to be do? my thought. Yeah, that's that's th- th- I think that's the guy who best kind of duplicates Tanyan's sk- skill set. Right. Um, and and size and everything. He's the closest thing you've got at this point. So right. um, you, you could, you know, essentially use him in that that Tanyan role. Um, but again, we've we've talked about it ad nauseum that there's no redundancy with this tight end group. And that, yeah, that really flared itself this week. And it was weird, too, because you could see him like, all right, Lewis and Daphne are in, right? And it's like, oh, they are running zone down your ass. Like, they are yep. running zone down your ass. It's just big on big. They're coming. And then DeGuara comes in, and you're like, here comes the, you know, 
counter power, all those gap runs, right. Where he's moving across the formation and you can just kind of like tell what they're doing, like run game wise, based off of like, who's in the game. And I, I don't know yeah. if that really was that big of an issue. Like, I don't think their run game was really as much of a problem as like their passing game, uh, not being able to play like in rhythm, I guess is probably the best way to explain it. Um, but they were yep. two of two of 12 on third down. Bad, bad, bad bad well and they, they kept getting behind the sticks which was un- unfortunate because i mean jones and dylan did have a pretty solid day between the two of them they averaged basically five yards a carry on the dot they went 20 for 99 yards um and you know you'd think that that would put you in some relatively favorable distances on third down but it seemed like just about every one of those third downs was six yards or more um and then you know they finally hit on one when um love actually throws in rhythm to an open Adams with good protection, you know, basically inside their own 10 yard line. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that was the first third down conversion they had all game was on that, you know, that drive early in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, there's the, 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 the tight end issue is, I think you're right. It's, it's going to be a problem the whole rest of the season because they just, they just don't have that guy to, to play that Tunyon role. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, we're already seeing it right now, right? Like Deshaun Jackson asked for a release. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. asked for a release. So you're at least seeing, you know, in the kind of like, I feel like player empowerment is probably Mm -hmm. something that's overstated often. But like in this player empowerment era where teams are like, everything doesn't have to be like a plus uh, asset transaction, like equity in like showing players like, hey, no, actually we're not just going to, (laughs) we're not just going to keep you here to have you pissed off. Right. Like that's not what's really happening in the league anymore. It'll be interesting to see if like one of these teams that are, you know, out of the playoffs, you know, mathematically end up releasing one of these tight ends and they come to green Bay. We'll see. Um, I don't think like Tyler Davis is the answer. Uh, The guy who's on the roster and, and is basically a special teamer um, at this point. And then uh, I'm trying to think of uh, Kafusi on the practice squad is, He's basically like the uh, – if Lewis ever goes down, Kafusi's the yep. guy who's going to kind of simulate him, right? Like former defensive end. Um, exactly. Whole family has played college football and coached for BYU. Like that's kind of who that guy is. Um, just a weird spot offensively. Jordan Love, we should probably talk about him a little bit too. Probably. <laughs> um, so generally, right – not a great showing in terms of him in structure out of structure. We saw a lot of things. He was running around a whole ton. Um, got a lot of, I would say probably like plus plays out of his legs. Um, some of the things that make you a little worried. And we talked about this in the preseason, right? Where like he's seeing cover two and he should know like a high school quarterback should know like pre-snap, like I can't throw in the flat right here. And then he throws in the flat, gets his running back clobbered. He wasn't necessarily doing that in this game because the Chiefs, frankly, weren't playing a lot of zone. They were playing a lot of man. But it was a lot of dictating, like, uh, okay, this guy is on the man beater in theory, which is like, you know, a slot fade or just like a nine route down the sideline, right? Like, um, I think it was right before the touchdown, the the play before, where it was was like a slot fade and then like a fin, right? And the fin, the, the fin is five yard in. The fin was wide open, and but he already was like, I'm taking the snap. I'm throwing off my back foot to the fade because that's what my, like, my beater is. And it, he just doesn't look ready, guy. Like, I, I don't know. Like, if this is the only look that we're going to get 
of love going into 2022 is going to be very hard to justify like Jordan love uncontended starter. You know, it, it's kind of hard yep. to just kind of toss him the keys. He doesn't look ready. He was drafted probably like 500 days ago or something like that. So it's not like this dude was like fresh off the street or something like that. Yeah. And, and it's not like Rogers uh, performance against Dallas in relief his you know, in Favre's last year in green Bay. Right. That was, that was Rogers coming in and looking like, a viable, you know, solid NFL starting quarterback and, you know, gives you the faith to, to think, okay, maybe, you know, maybe the Packers know what they're doing with this guy uh, and, and handed him the keys that next summer. Um, you definitely would. I definitely think we, we would love to see more out of him. Part of me almost wishes that, that he would be able to get the start next week against Seattle just to get more, some more tape on him and, and get to see him in some more different situations um, and, and see if he can develop and learn from week to week a little bit. Um, again, to your point, it doesn't sound like we're going to get that as long as Rogers is able to get cleared on, on Saturday. Um, he'll probably be starting, but um, yeah, I mean, again, you, you, you saw a lot of those flashes of the talent that he has. There were, there were a handful of really nice balls um, there were some, again, some good plays with his mobility, some, some crazy escapes from some of the pressure that one sack that he should have taken. that was like 12 yards back. And then somehow he finds a way to, um, to float it over the middle to Mercedes for like a, a no gain play was, was ridiculous. Uh, just, just the fact that he was, was able to get something off and, and not get taken down for a big loss there. But, um, just, yeah, in terms of, of the progressions and handling, the the reads and with the pressure in his face i think that's um that's my biggest concern is just um again quarterbacks aren't good under pressure at all but he looked like he was really rattled anytime there was anybody coming up the middle um and and getting pressure on him early on in the play yeah and if i mean with that film like this is kind of how nfl teams operate right it worked against him he's probably just going to see that over and over again until he proves he can beat it. Like early on in yeah. Rogers career, when a lot of teams were playing, I guess not a lot of teams, but teams were playing more Tampa too um, than they are right now. And especially like after the Seahawks defense went off and then everyone was like, Hey, cover three base. All we're going to do is cover three base. Um, if you remember some of those early, like Chicago games, now we remember, you know, Aaron Rodgers is like the slayer of the Chicago bears, but you know, often against, you know, Tampa and against Chicago teams that were running Tampa too, he was struggling early on and you would see teams try to replicate it. And a lot of those teams didn't have Brian Erlacher playing in the middle exactly. of the field Tampa <laughs> too, which is a big difference maker for him. Um, yep. But they sure try to simulate it. So, and that's another point, the simulation thing, like, so in game, right. I, I can understand why LaFleur would think these plays would work until you actually got live game film out of Jordan Love and started yeah. to adjust from there. Because imagine, like, some of the stuff Kansas City was doing, Green Bay doesn't do a lot of it on defense. Like, the the Oren Burks, when he jumped off sides, right, was an example of them trying to do that, where, you know, you they call them mug fronts, where you get two uh, inside linebackers, you walk them up into the A gaps, and then the defensive linemen cover the, the B and C gaps. Green Bay doesn't do a lot of that. Like, Campbell isn't playing on the line of scrimmage a ton. He's playing off of it, yep. and they're clogging up that middle by having three defensive tackles inside and just kind of clogging that up inside run game. So I get kind of it, between that, you know, their defense not really being structured in a way to kind of produce that simulation. And then two, 
how live are you going in practice? Especially when yeah. Jordan Love is there, your practice squad quarterback isn't there, Aaron Rodgers isn't there, and Blake Bortles is literally catching a flight to suit up for you in a game. Like, I'm sure they weren't, like, going hard at him in practice, like, sending stuff at him at the same type of speed that these Kansas City Chiefs were coming after him with, you know? So that's kind of a difficult thing to kind of simulate, and that's, like, that's that's when game reps matter, right? Game reps game reps matter less when it's spot drop, cover four, cover three, cover two. You know, you've been seeing that stuff since you were in high school. You know how it works. You know how to attack it. All this pressure stuff is, like, that's kind of like you got to earn the reps there so that you're comfortable in it. And it, it didn't look like love was comfortable in it. He was drafted as kind of a project quarterback at this point. He probably looks a little better than what he would have been in like day one coming out of Utah state. Um, but he's still a project quarterback and that's where he's at. And it's, it'd be tough to kind of hand him the keys. I would think even after, you know, yep. everything that was this week. <laughs> um how do we even do the vibe check here? Cause it's like the offense, <laughs> I guess Jordan love vibe check. Even then I'm like incomplete. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, I, I'm skip. With it. <laughs> skip, skip. Let's get into the defense. Uh, first of all, Stokes is out. He got hurt in the uh, pregame. Apparently he went up for a ball and came down weird. The floor said he doesn't expect it to be a long-term injury. Um, he did count as one of the 46 uh, for game day. Um, he just never suited up. I think he was, or he did suit up. Uh, he just didn't go like he was right. in his pads and all that. Um, LaFour made it sound like he, uh, he doesn't think it's a long-term injury, but again, he did the same thing that he always does, which is like, I'm not the medical staff. I'll let you know on Monday. So that's yeah. worth, uh, worth noting on the front end. I thought Douglas and, uh, King did pretty well in his absence. Like, Yeah. They held Tyreek 11 targets, 37 yards. Like <laughs> if you would have said he, that coming into the game, I would have taken it with Jair and Stokes in. So absolutely. He made one big, big play the entire game. Unfortunately, it was the one on, on a third down when, when they needed to stop to, uh, to get the ball back and, and give him a chance to, um, to, to stop Kansas city from running out the clock. But that was, that was the only notable catch that Hill had all game. Um, Chandon, I thought, had a good game, too, for the most part. He had a couple of nice plays. There was the one where um, I think he had a, a big pass breakup on a third down somewhere along the line. And then he, they, they struck... tested him on that slot fade with Tyreek yeah. early. It, it was yep. one-on-one slot fade, him and Tyreek. Let's see what your legs are at. And and yep. he, he, uh, tr- he was, like, barking at the ref. It was, like, OPI. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, no, he cheated. He cheated. Tyreek was yep. going away with some stuff. Yeah, he was. And then he, uh, he sniffed out that, uh, that end around too. Uh, and got a, I think he, he got a tackle for loss or he helped clean up, uh, uh, a tackle for loss on, on that one. So yeah, I thought, I thought the corners largely, you know, by and large played well, the, the biggest, I mean, really the only weapon that, that, uh, Kansas city had in the passing game was Kelsey when the Packers got into zone, um, seemed like the, the linebackers kind of lost track of him a couple of times over the middle for a couple of big plays. Um, and I think, we saw there was one big one where it seemed like Campbell just completely lost him on a deep crosser and probably one of you mentioned it in, in the slack, one of Campbell's worst reps, if not his, his worst rep as a Packer. But um, other than that, I thought the linebackers played pretty well. Um, Barnes was awesome. Uh, filling gaps in the run game. He had a couple of real big sticks, a um, couple of tackles for loss, I think. So um, Burks had a nice tackle in the flat on McKinnon to to hold him short of a first down uh, those guys were were 
doing their jobs and they they looked really good in this game especially against the run it was very weird to watch a packers game where their <laughs> their offense was dragging and yep. the only reason they were really in that game was because of their you know stack linebacker play i yeah. i don't think i've ever had that feeling before ever as a packers fan yeah i mean it's it's going back to 2000 maybe or something you know yeah I, it's been decades at least. Oh, goodness gracious. But yeah, I mean, they, they both did well. Um, Barnes being an every down guy. I mean, I guess the last couple of weeks have been really since Jalen came in, right. They've been experimenting a ton uh, at the linebacker position. Um, you know, Jalen got released on Tuesday. Uh, feels like five years ago now today of the trade deadline feels like that was a lifetime ago, but Barnes is doing solid. Um, probably had, I would say, probably his best game as a Packer yep. uh, that I can yep. remember. That's great to see. Um, Gary lost contain on two big plays. Uh, that was kind of tough. One of them was that that play at the end of the game that you mentioned, you know, the Channon one. Um, he was trying his butt off trying to chase down Patrick Mahomes, but that's another example of kind of like we talk about those stiff hips every once in a while, right, with athleticism yep. on the edge. That's kind of where it shows up a little. Um, but he did a pretty good job. I mean – he was ever present on that left side. So Patrick Mahomes right side, right. Of just being in the vision of the quarterback. I am coming yeah. at you constantly. If you watch any of those like boots and stuff like that, like every time there was run action, he was like, I am not chasing down the running back. I yep. am trying to hit Patrick Mahomes. If he ever holds the ball and it kind of worked. I mean, Patrick Mahomes seemed rattled. He had one of his worst games as a professional. I mean, this is still, you guys got to remember this is still the only guy who has like a higher passing efficiency than Aaron Rodgers, like career long uh, in NFL history. So it's not like they were going against some chump. This is still that it's the same dude. It's the same guy with the same players for the most part. Um, he's just playing a little different right now. So. Yeah. And, and uh, it, Gary was the only guy to have a quarterback hit or a sack on the Packers defense all game. I mean, he was basically their entire pass rush, especially when Kenny Clark went down right before halftime and didn't come yeah. back. That's uh, obviously that's going to be a big one to, to monitor this week and um, see where he's at by the time Sunday comes around for Seattle. Um, Cause that, that forced, um, you know, guys like Heflin and uh, TJ Slayton to get a lot more snaps than they normally would uh, on the interior. And I thought they held up pretty well too, for the most part, at least in the run game. Um, Lancaster had a big tackle for loss. Like those guys were, were, holding up and um i guess back to gary i think there was one or two false starts i think that he uh he prompted too because their their backup right tackle was in for for kansas city and you can see one of those plays late i think it was right before the the third down that that clinched the the, right. the first down to, to run the clock out um wiley gets out of his set early and it just felt like that, that he was trying to anticipate and and be, because gary was was abusing him for much of the game um he also i think held gary a couple times um and didn't get called for it but that's that's life in the nfl so um but yeah he was he was a force uh and it, man if he can just uh, that that contain thing i think that's unfortunately that's just something that we're gonna have to live with and and kind of is what it is and, and you have to take that with the production that he does give you as a pass rusher i i yeah i think so too and i think kind of when green bay it'll be interesting to see what they look like once Zadarius is gone, um, which is probably next year, frankly, the way that his contract kind of stacks up and the way the yep. Packers salary cap situation is. Um, 
they've done some interesting things in the past couple of weeks, not necessarily in this game uh, that I noticed, but like against Arizona where they were basically in nickel the whole time, um, nickel and dime. Um, they did some interesting stuff where they were like, why wouldn't we play Campbell on the edge and then have Gary walk over the center? Right. Like mm-hmm. why wouldn't we use Gary in the Zadarius Smith role where you don't necessarily want him playing in space as much as you want him being kind of like, for lack of a better term, like a bullet that is just penetrating the, the, the offensive line and just getting into the yeah. backfield. Like that's kind of who he is. Like, I think if Gary honestly is a guy who like, if he were like 30 pounds heavier, he'd be like a great defensive tackle, right? That's exactly oh, yeah. who you'd want him to be. He'd be you'd an awesome three tech, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just want, you want, you'd rather have him do that, but he's not playing at that weight. So you can't ask him to do that. So he's playing on the edge. So that's kind of the it, situation it, it, that they're in, I think. It, it'd be great if if they did have you know a, a three man a, a solid three man rotation and outside linebacker because then yeah you you move him around kind of like they moved Z around um, and, and do that and and still have two guys that you trust um, on the edge to play down to down and and keep contained and and whatnot that'd be I, I feel like the ideal scenario um, so I, I I will not be surprised at all obviously if if Z's gone next year you got to think edge is going to be a top priority draft wise for this team. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, even if somehow he ends up coming back, I, I would imagine that's probably going to be on the list anyway. Yeah. I mean, all three of them are going to be basically on expiring deals, you know? So yeah. it, it might be closer to a situation where like, like when AJ Dillon was drafted and everyone was confused as hell, right. Where, or at least nationally where they're like, why do you take another running back? You already have Aaron Jones and you have Jamal Williams. Why would you take another running back? Well, it wasn't a pick for this year. It's a pick for next year. Right. I, I think that's kind of like the mantra that they would kind of take there. Um, right. Defensive line. So Lowry was on a pitch count. Lafleur confirmed that it looked like it on the field did not yep. look like he was hundred percent. Clark went down. Lancaster went down. Kiki didn't play uh, because of a concussion that he sustained last week. Who boy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To, to your point, I did think I didn't get a good enough look at um, at Heflin, but Heflin up to this point had only gotten like five snaps in like the two games that he was on the field. So this is probably the most extended look we've gotten in Heflin since the preseason. But Slayton did pretty good, and they really mm-hmm. relied on those inside guys a lot of times. Remember, you got to remember that muff punt, right, led to a scoring drive of four yards that turned into a field goal. And then the other scoring drive was only 25 yards, right? They both come, came in the last two minutes of the, of the first half. Um, they really relied on that interior to get the offense off the field and force the kicking team on. And they did a pretty good job of it. I mean, they were asking a lot out of guys like Lancaster, Slayton. They were out there, you know, playing big on big against starting offensive linemen. And it's not like the Kansas City Chiefs, like run game problems often were commitment issues. They weren't yes. necessarily like efficiency issues, right? It was commitment yep. issues. You saw it in the first drive against both the Packers and against the Giants, the last two games that they played, where if they really want to be that chippy, like we're just going to earn this on 15 play drives, they can kind of like do it down the field. They have pro bowlers on that interior offensive line. Um, so the fact that they were able to keep up with that level of talent um, was very nice. So I understand like yep. their run stats aren't going to be impressive, but in terms of like the individuals up front that they were able to match up with, I thought it was great. Um, Slayton, if Slayton can do that, that's huge, I think, because they basically yep. had not been playing him at all. So the fact that if, if he can get into the rotation and keep everyone fresher, as much as you and I have talked about, like they don't have enough bodies 
um, in terms of like the actives on game day, they also haven't yep. been using them too. So like that's been part yep. of the problem too. Well, and, and Kenny's been playing 75%, 80% of the defensive snaps all yep. year long um, at, at 320 pounds as a nose tackle. Um, if you can get that down to two thirds, even, even, you know, another five or six snaps a game, if you feel like you can get useful production on a slate and for those, you know, those extra five or six snaps, that's going to be huge. I think for Clark, um, you know, when, whenever he comes back, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. So just try to, um, try to limit his, uh, his impact a little bit and, and keep him fresher for the stretch run. Cause we've seen that with him in the past a little bit is I feel like we've, we've seen him play a ton, you know, in the first half two thirds of the season and then you know start to wear down a little bit um late in the year and so hopefully um if they can rotate in some of these guys a little bit more frequently maybe that'll help clark uh, down the stretch a little bit yeah and that was one of my questions remember like after the first couple of weeks where the defensive yep. line wasn't playing very well and you know there was thoughts of like what if you know kenny played three tech more and was more of a penetrating kind of defensive lineman than playing head up on on the center and my thought was can his legs hold up? Right. I mean, that, that's a big issue. Like do, do not overlook the fact that like, right. These college players, they play 12 games and then they talk about an expanded playoff and who is the, the Clemson linebacker who was like, I'd quit. Like I would feel like I'm <laughs> going to die, you know, like it's not normal to play, uh, you know, 18 games of NFL football plus playoffs. Like that's a long yep. time, especially if you're playing almost all of those snaps on the defensive line at that size, that's, it, this isn't for normal people. <laughs> this yep. isn't for normal people so as much as you can help them I, I i think the better and if slain can give those looks i mean i i think that does actually go a long way we should also note that you know with all those injuries um rj mcintosh wasn't called up for this game but he was protected this past week the packers were in that weird spot with injury or with a uh, practice squad protections because previously right they'd used three of them were essentially chalk right they would use um one on the backup kicker, the backup long snapper, and then Kurt Benkert, who is their yep. basically like emergency quarterback. Benkert was on the uh, reserve COVID list. The long snapper was called up. Um, so it essentially opened up, you know, they, they went from like one spot that was open for protection to three spots that were open for protection. One of those players who moved up into being that protected status from the practice squad was RJ McIntosh. So that kind of tells you, you know, if there is, you know, if Kiki still can't, um play next week because of he's in concussion protocol he didn't practice at all last week so as far as i know probably shouldn't count on it even if it is potentially uh possible that he does suit up against the seahawks between that between the clark injury between lowry being on a pitch count between lancaster going down right like all those factors mcintosh is probably the next guy to jump up and this is a guy we haven't seen in a packers uniform um so that's probably worth noting yeah. Yeah. He had a, a little flash with the giants a couple of years ago. Um, I don't think he got into a game at all last year, but um, it was a fifth round pick in, in 18 and just hasn't kind of worked out with, uh, with his, his previous team. So there's, there's definitely some talent there um, played at Miami. So big, you know, Florida, Florida recruit too. So um, obviously big t- talent pipeline there. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah. If he does get some run, you know, in the next week or two um any anything else to note or are we ending uh we ending this week's podcast recap podcast with rj mcintosh <laughs> we're, we're the we're the only packers podcast that's doing that 
think so. Um, only other thing just to mention, I mean, MVS came back, so that's that's good. He didn't do much. He had a couple catches on the one well, of the, Cobb, the longer drives. But... Cobb legitimately might have been wide receiver four even in the rotation with MVS back, and he led the team in receiving yards. So yep. yeah, just a a weird game in general. Bizarre, bizarre. And um, I, the, the only other thing I'll I'll mention is um, all those all that ink that was spilled about AJ Dillon's hands leading up to the draft. He bailed out Jordan Love on a couple of throws uh, in this game, and he ended up with four catches, caught all four of his targets for 44 yards. There was the one where um, should have been a pick, somehow slips through the the corner's hands, and and Dylan comes down with it. He had a couple couple others that were uh, away from his body. So uh, good on you, AJ, for um, for proving the team right and uh, showing that you've you've. I mean, he's done it all all season long. Now that he's got this expanded role, is is show off that that he is able to be a weapon uh, in the passing game. So that's um, that's good to see, and it's it's nice to be able to roll both him and Jones through and, and be able to do similar things with both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, there were times, you know, when Eddie Lacy was in, right. And the Packers would go out and empty and Eddie Lacy is lining up on the sideline. Everyone in the stadium knew, like, if you put a DB or even a linebacker on Eddie Lacy, like he's, he's not getting the ball. Like that's just not what he's doing. That's not the case with Dylan. Like you could put Mm -hmm. a DB on him and he's still not like canceled out of the progression just based off of like pre-snap leverage and stuff. You're like, I don't know. I got to see it play out before I decide if I want to not throw to him or not. Like he's becoming that type of a factor. And, I do. I, I had this thought in game because someone tweeted at me like, yeah, like Dylan reminds me of like uh, Jonathan Stewart was the example that was tweeted at me. Mm. And in terms of the offensive players, right? Like st- let's just talk offensive skill players, not including quarterback, obviously. Um, is Dylan like the second most important player, like behind Devontae in, in terms of like, guy who would change the offense structurally if he was out because a lot of the things that they do with yeah. Dylan, like Dylan is a more complete back than, than Jones is as, as good as Jones is. Um, his game really is like perimeter, right? Perimeter everywhere. Yeah. And Jones even said like uh, in, in the post game presser, he was like, I don't think I've ever been in pass protection as much as I was uh, today. Dylan is like an all around running back. Like he can literally do all of it. Now the question is yep. where can he catch the ball? Can he get to the edge? He's proven through this point from like the Tennessee Titans game on to now, like he can do that. He is a complete back in the NFL. Yep. Yeah. He's fun to watch. Um, he brought the spin move back a little bit today too. There was one, uh, one great one on a, on an inside run that, uh, um, and, and yeah, you try to match up a DB with him in the hole and you're going to lose every time. So it's, it's, he's certainly a lot of fun to watch run. Um, and I know a lot of us, you know, a lot of us criticized the pick when it came in just based on allocation of draft picks and resources and, and positional value and whatnot. But um, I'm glad he's on the team. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, he's he's producing and they're putting him in a role to succeed. And and he's going out and, you know, it seems like he's, you know, 70, 80 plus yards from scrimmage every game. Um, and, and the way they can use both of those guys to complement each other um, has has been really solid. Well, I guess we'll leave you guys on that note since that's a happy note after a uh, <laughs> seven-point offensive uh, game. So, yeah, hopefully uh, Dylan does a little bit more against the Seattle Seahawks. They get the ball in his hand and uh, they score more than seven points. Fingers crossed. Go Petco. <laughs>